Nightmare on Elm Street with Maggie Coover. On this episode, Maggie Coover takes a trip down Elm Street, and Maggie will tell you how much wine it took for her to get through this movie. And finally, you'll learn the point when she realized maybe this movie wasn't so terrifying. After all, if you've got the body, we've got the brains. And yes, I know that's from part two. Come to Freddy. <laughs> Welcome back. It's very early where I'm at. <laughs> and I am awake. But I the reason why I'm so awake, I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to lay it out there. I am with the one, the only, the Mags herself, Maggie. <laughs> Good morning. Kruger is here with me today. <laughs> how are you doing? Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. I also have coffee. It's also morning here, just not as early as it is with you. So, so it is what, approximately 1130? 11 o'clock. Uh, yeah, 11. 11, okay. Yes, it, it is not here. In fact, I think you I think you get the award for the absolute earliest podcast I've ever recorded. I'm honored. Yes, you should be. You totally should be. I really am. So today, for you, and almost for me, <laughs> what movie did you find you wanted to revisit because you were so deeply passionate about that movie? Because you actually have lost sleep at night, like what I did there. About uh, this movie, uh, uh, <laughs> what movie is it, Mags, that you felt you wanted to bring to the Spooky Flicks Fest? I have brought for you 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Always an excellent choice. And you know what? I have to be completely honest with you, Joe. I'd actually never seen it before. I'd avoided this movie for so long. Oh, are you serious? Well, that makes it even better. <laughs> I was so scared of this movie, but I thought for the last for the last Spooky Flicks, I had to watch it. Nice. I'd actually Actually, for the last couple of years, I've been thinking I'm going to watch the film and I'm going to do a little blog piece to go with it for the Spooky Flick Fest. And I've chickened out every year. I think I remember you mentioning it in the past because I know that yeah. I think in the very first Spooky Flick Fest, I want to say, was it with Paul Osborne, the filmmaker? I think we, mm -hmm. talk, we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was maybe the next year or even the year after that. I remember you mentioning it. Yeah, well, I, well, last year I was definitely going to do it. I got eight minutes in last year um, before I turned it off, absolutely terrified and had to sleep with the lights on that night. That is fantastic. Well, well, so you have double my respect that you stepped up, you sat through oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> you lived, um, you survived. I survived. I'm going to be very honest. I drank an awful lot of wine beforehand. <laughs> So do you even remember the movie? <laughs> I do, yes. Okay. No, I do. I do. Your, your notes are sort of like they start off with decent penmanship, and as it progresses, it just sort of, the it's line cool. just scrapes cool. off the paper. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have to say, having built it up for 30 years in my head as something that's so terrifying, actually watching it and sitting down, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Isn't that just like life? Seriously, you know, how many times in life do people go in myself included? I'm 100 percent talking to myself mm -hmm. here when I say this. We go through life with just things in general. I'm so afraid that this will happen. I'm this will, all the worst case scenario crap. And we yep. don't do it. And then when you when it finally happens and you get and you make it through and you survive and you're, and yeah. you're oh, it really oh, wasn't that was, was, bad. Was that it? <laughs> yeah, really? That's a, that's the best that Freddie had. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Totally. Totally. What was it about the movie that kept you so afraid to see it? Can you think of, is it just anything I, specific? Oh, I know the exact reason. I know the exact reason. What's my surname, Joel? What is my surname? Ah, uh, yes, it's Frederick. Mm. Um, so, well, two stories. First of all, if I'd been a boy, I would have been called Fred. So I would have been Freddy Krueger, which... Are you serious? I am... I am so serious. I would have been named after my granddad, whose name was Frederick. Um, his surname wasn't Kruger, but I would have been Fred Kruger. Wow. Boy, talk about yeah. dodging a bullet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but growing up in the, well, um, growing up in the 80s when we had lots of video stores, um, so this, this, this has got a point, um, <laughs> lots of video stores, often they'd have free magazines that were, um, that were given out. And whenever there was a new Nightmare on Elm Street film, um, I would invariably get to school and we didn't have lockers, we had desks. Invariably in my desk, somebody would leave a picture of Freddy Krueger. There would be a poster and you, you kind of open your drawer or you open your desk and you see a picture there when you're not expecting it. That makes you jump. But in addition to that, people used to leave um, answer phone messages doing the one to Freddy after, Freddy's After You. Aren't kids lovely sometimes? Oh, <laughs> I know. They're delightful. Um, but because of that and because I knew the basic premise of the storyline that he was um, he would attack people in their sleep, just all of this built up. And I was so terrified of Freddy Krueger and thought I could never watch the film. I was so scared. I mean, even the fact that last year... After watching eight minutes, it, everything came screaming back to me. And it's like, nope, can't do it, can't watch it, can't watch it. So that's why I've always been so scared. Um, it just sort of followed me around, really, for, um, for for most of my life. So that's why I was always just terrified of Nightmare on Street. And rather than thinking sensibly, I should watch this movie and stop being afraid of it, I just chickened out. Wow. That actually makes a lot yeah. of sense, to be honest with you. And, mm. and it makes me feel a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, not like sad and like, well, I'm really sorry. I feel sad for you, Mag. No, I just. Oh, well, you should though. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, okay, maybe a little bit. But no, but just the idea of that childhood trauma, it really, if you think about it, has really much, much less to do with Robert England and prosthetic makeup freaking you out yeah. as it was the torment of bullies and. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but, um, you know, interesting bit of triv that I found out reading up on the film. Buzz Craven was bullied when he was at school, and his bully was called Fred Krueger. And the, in, was it Last House on the Left? The um, the villain's called Krug. Yeah, that's Krug. right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, K um, K R U G. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Um, so it's kind of been following Wes Craven around sure, as well. Sure, sure. And uh, did you uh, ever hear the story of how he got the look for Freddy Krueger? Uh, no. Yeah, this is almost more terrifying than the movie. Apparently, oh, really? yes, he's a little boy and he hears something outside his window at night. He looks out and I don't know if it was an alleyway or just the street where he lived. And he looks out and in the dark, he sees this homeless man wearing that. <laughs> wait, wait, wearing that sweater and that hat staring at his house, just staring at his Specifically at his window, just staring at him. And I want to say the story went, and I this might just be my imagination making it worse, but I want to say it went that he, of course, freaked out, jumped into bed. But when he when he looked back, the guy was standing directly outside of his window. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's actually almost worse. That's, that's awful. <laughs> and I think the guy was a little like we may have been just dirt on his face because he was, but I think he would look disfigured too. This Wes Craven as a boy. 
Oh, and it turned out he had that glove with knives on. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, what a coincidence. Oh, that... He's just scraping it on the window. Oh, that's absolutely terrifying. Isn't that horrible? So you combine that with the Fred Krueger thing, and gee, what a shock that this poor traumatized kid. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Suddenly I feel like I understand Blake Craven a whole lot better. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I will say that that actually, for the most part, most of the folks on the bonuses, there have been a couple exceptions, but for the most part, it's the whole idea of, okay, there's a movie you saw as a kid, scared the mess out yeah. of you. I actually love that you didn't, because I had ones like that as well. Now, I've, I saw yeah. a lot of them, but I had those movies that I was scared to see, and I often <laughs> found that too, that you finally see, you're like, eh, 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 yeah, eh, not eh, yeah, not so bad. I can't say I'm going to go and watch the however many sequels there are. See, I, I was going to say you would have been better remake. to start off with like Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare Part 6 because it's so campy and dumb mm. <laughs> that you would have been like, really? Yeah. What the? Roseanne really? Barr really? and Tom Arnold are in this? What the hell? Am- <laughs> oh, I forgot they're in that. Terrible. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That I, I'd, I'd find it really strange that they have just, he's now, well, the Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. The fact that they made him quite camp. And got camper and camper. I just find that so strange that they would do something like because really he is the perfect terrifying villain. He really, really is. So I don't really get why they would have done that with him and sort of made him so tongue in cheek. Yeah, I know it's a it's an odd thing, and it's even odder when you really consider full context of what his character was because mm. it wasn't just that he was a killer. He killed children, and there was a lot of suggestion. Apparently, yeah. in the original screenplay, he was straight up just a child molesting child killer yeah one of the things i read um he was they he was originally he was a child molester but because around the time that the film's coming out or when wes craven was writing the script there'd been a spate of um attacks on children so he changed him to doesn't make it any better but he changed him to a child murderer Uh because he didn't want to be accused of sort of capitalizing on on that local story well, isn't that an um, interesting phenomenon, too, to think that that somehow makes it better? <laughs> I know. It really doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, it's, but, I, I mean, the concept of it where I absolutely wet myself laughing. I think there was one of the lines, there was a bad man, but it's okay, darling. Mommy burned him. <laughs> or mommy killed him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay, honey. <laughs> it's like, really? Okay. But so the concept of it is really a good one. It's the parents taking... Well, looking after their children-ish, but not in a really good way, you know. I'm not, not condoning murder or burning people, but sort of that, the, the initial concept behind it is quite a good one, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm. And it's interesting, too, because you brought up Last House on the left. Mm. We had an earlier bonus episode with Nathan, who he wanted to do Hills Have Eyes, which is another yeah. Craven, early Craven movie I love, and it was actually the one... That he did, I think it was his was his feature. Is it the one with Michael Berryman in it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'm trying yeah. to think, what did he do any feature? I know he did some TV movies. I'm trying to remember, did Craven direct any features between Hills uh, Have Eyes and Nightmare? I don't know that he did. I know he did some TV movies, but I don't. I don't know. There was one called Deadly Blessing. I think I had Sharon Stone in it. I don't know if that was a TV movie or if that, maybe that was theatrical and it just didn't do very well. But for some reason, my contact, it must have been a movie because I think it has R-rated material in it. But in my head, it seems like a TV movie. So maybe there yeah. there was one at least in there, but nothing huge. Like it was definitely, Hills Have Eyes is considered a classic by most, Nightmare. There was not a lot in between that 
was quote unquote classic type material. Let's say that. No. But that no. theme of the parents and them turning very vigilante slash animalistic and using brutality to mm-hmm. avenge something against their children is prevalent in all three movies. Mm, I really want to do a psychological study on Wes Craven now. Oh, yeah. It's just interesting. And then for him to become, you know, he became like a philosophy professor. And it wasn't until he was almost, I think he was 30 when he finally got into the idea yeah. of filmmaking. It started as like a club in his college. And mm. and then from there. So it's interesting. Yeah, I I remember um, reading an interview with him once. And um, it was just after Last House, uh, Last House on the Left had come out. I think it was Last House on the Left. It must have been. And people stopped inviting him to dinner parties um, <laughs> because they they were just like, no 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 that was sick no absolutely not. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so let's just jump real quick into the movie itself. Okay. Uh, yeah. I actually find it way more fascinating your build up to it, to be honest with you, because obviously everybody knows about that. <laughs> I don't even think we need to bother going into the plot. I think at this point, no. anybody listening to this, I'm assuming you know about Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you went into it. You're obviously the the dread, the anticipation. At what point did you realize, okay, I can get through this? Was it the eighth cup of wine or was it a specific scene in the movie? It was the scene where his arms extended. It was, if I'd stuck, if I, if I'd stuck with it last year a little bit longer, uh, maybe two minutes more, it's the scene where he's walking down, he's walking down the road after Tina and his arms extend. Okay. It looks ridiculous. It does, yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was the point. And you kind of go, okay, this is, this is a bit crap, really. <laughs> Just, and not crap, sorry, not crap, just offended. The arms extended. It didn't freak you out? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all, it, because it, I mean, the, the movie itself looks quite dated. So I was trying to, I was trying to be very objective about it all and sort of not get too sucked in. But it was, it really was the scene, his arms extending and you just go, that doesn't, it's so preposterous. Of course. That actually, I'm laughing at this now. Even by dreaming standards, you found... You found these slinky Absolutely. arms. Absolutely. However, having said that, the um, the bit where Tina's dreaming, so Tina's first dream when you first come across and then he, uh, just before she wakes up, he pops up behind her. That really made me jump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good jump scare. Yeah. So that scene really took it out and, and went, okay, I can watch this. I'm not, I mean, the rest of it, I was still watching it behind the cushion. And the um, the final, the fight, the ending wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. It's that, um, can I do a, have we got a spoiler alert? Can I say about the ending? If you're like the one person listening to this who hasn't seen freaking Nightmare on Elm Street. Gail hasn't seen it, I'm sure. Okay. So this is for you, I don't think Gail's going to (laughs) care. She'll be like, please, spoil away. I don't give a crap because I'm not going to ever watch that thing. (laughs) So the final scene where... Everything goes back to normal. It's like it's been a reset. Um, she's she's got rid of him, and and all her friends are alive. And Johnny Depp's not been eaten by the bed. Yeah. Uh, and her mum's not drunk anymore. And then um, she gets into the car, and the the roof goes up, and it's the it's the colours of Freddie's jumper. And then um, her mum gets pulled back into the house by Freddie. I was actually physically kind of sitting back with my head turned away, turned away from the screen a little bit, kind of half watching it out while I go, I don't, oh, no, I know what's going to happen. Oh, But even that, I, that kind of ending, you, you know, that Brian De Palma started with Carrie, I mean, that was a lot scarier in Carrie if you don't know what's coming. Even the ending, which I think, you know, it's designed to, to scare you 
as you're leaving and kind of go, oh, not the happy resolution we all thought it was going to be. Um, even that, when I, when it finally happened, I sort of turned back to the screen and again, not as, not as scared as I thought it was going to be, not as disturbed. I, I've actually, in the past, I've seen films that disturb me an awful lot more. And it's kind of stayed with me after the credits have rolled. So The Exorcist, walking home after going to see The Exorcist, was absolutely terrified. Well, I, <laughs> sorry, going completely off topic. Sorry, when I went on to this the show. Exorcist, oh no, no, young lady, we stay on task. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, no, when I went to The Exorcist, I saw it in um, 1990. It was either 98 or 99. Um, they were showing it at my local art cinema. I was at college in Yorkshire at the time. And um, they showed it at the art cinema. And the art cinema was, um, it was basically a lecture theatre, um, but it was in the grounds of an old um, of an old convent. So so it was dark, obviously. Um, you've got all these ruins, this, uh, these old mon- monastery or convent ruins, all really um, floodlit and atmospheric. And then you had to walk through that, and then you had to walk through a little dark garden bit. And walking out of the exorcist, looking at that, I was absolutely shitting myself. <laughs> Do you want to know what I've learned? In this wonderful conversation, Maggie, do you want to know? I have learned that real life crap, even even just pure imagination, surrounding setting is Uh so much more terrifying (laughs) because if I had to walk because the the, uh, I don't remember the name of the monastery but there's this old haunted house english on it haunted house story from the 30s i think it was like mm-hmm. the most haunted house in england are you familiar with that it was a, Bo- a borley rectory is that right uh, i don't know I don't there was know. A, there was a there was a guy named harry price back in the 30s who was sort of the the main ghostbuster he was a almost celebrity known and and, yeah. and supposedly this borley rectory was the most haunted house in all of england which i guess is saying something and yeah. <laughs> And and, yeah. and as a kid, so I would read about this stuff. And, and so like what you just described, I don't know that I could sack it up enough <laughs> to, <laughs> to walk through that. Mm. That to me, what you I, just described, watching The Exorcist in a convent of sorts, I couldn't do that. No, it, it, not the most sensible thing I've ever done. No. Really not. But no, you're right. It's I don't I don't like massively gory films. I don't have too much of a problem with blood, but it's the it's the anticipation. Sure. I think I think that's actually oh it's turning into a right therapy session. No, the <laughs> thing that really scared me about Final Destination, which was the film that killed horror movies for me, it, it really was. After that, I completely lost my nerve. It was the anticipation of everything because you know they're gonna you knew they're gonna die and you're just gonna you're gonna die and you're gonna die horribly and I just it's it's just the waiting. Yeah, see, actually, you know, it's funny. I like the first one. The second one, I just thought that it, the gore, I, it went too far. Like, I found it unpleasant. Yeah. It was not, it, the first one I found to be somewhat of an enjoyable horror film. The second one, I didn't enjoy at all. Mm-hmm. Maggie. You need to go. No. We, I, I, wish, I, to... I wish I wish I didn't. <laughs> oh, it has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yes, and thank you for doing this. This has been fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate you being a trooper and sitting through your, because it proved to you it was, it wasn't, it was nothing. It, it wasn't a thing. Absolutely. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing on a string. You're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that means. So, Maggie, thank you very much. And thank, thank you, you for Joe. taking part in the 2014 Spook yeah. and Flicks Fest. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the 2014 Spook and Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Maggie Kruger. For making it past the first eight minutes of Nightmare on Elm Street, you can read Maggie's always entertaining insights at ForgottenFlicks.com. 
Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon. Ha, 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 ha.